Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, now I'm using the uh, jacked in mode. Yeah, yeah, it makes a big difference. But uh, like I say, it's, it's not one of... Uh, you know, like sometimes, you know, I actually have trouble understanding some people. You know, it's, it's like if they've got accents or or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, th- there comes a place for each person where it begins where I start having trouble figuring out what they're saying, you know. But, I mean, it, I wasn't anywhere close to that with the way you were talking. I mean, it was easy, so. Well, I'm, I'm also convinced that, I mean, I'm conscious of the fact that I do this, but I'm convinced that we all, once we start talking to somebody over a period of time, we sort of tune our own voice to the way we talk, you know, to make ourselves more understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's especially obvious when I speak to people that are non-native English speakers. Yeah, sure. You want to make sure they understand you so you speak a little more clearly. Yeah, and I actually, um, I I actually, how do I want to say this? I make a a diligent effort to do that. I mean, I've noticed some people don't really give a shit. Uh, Well, I don't think it's that. I don't think they ever really think about it. Yeah, or yeah, maybe they don't think about it. Simply, it's just come, it always comes off to me as arrogant. I mean, I don't know if that's my... Well, that would be arrogant if they thought about it. Of, it would be arrogant if they thought about it and then said, nah, fuck them. <laughs> you know, that's me. See, I'm arrogant. <laughs> but but uh, I think for most people, it's just lack of awareness. They just simply have never really thought about it, you know. Yeah. I guess, but I don't know. Like I've I, I've been in like you know a Chinese restaurant or something like that, where obviously the um, the staff don't speak great English, but it's enough to to have a functioning restaurant. Yeah. But then some customers just decide that they don't want to make any accommodation to their lack of, of English, you know, skills. Oh, that's just stupid. Yeah. That's, that's just yeah. for trouble. <laughs> but I, I've noticed it. I'm not, I don't like to point fingers at Americans, but I've noticed particularly Americans are a little more like that than other people around the world. Yeah, well, I think that's... I think for, that we yeah. have limited exposure, yeah. Yeah, why Why would you not want to point fingers at Americans? Americans are, for the most part, idiots. I mean, most humans well, I are think, idiots, yeah. but Americans have their own particular brand of stupidity, and, uh, you know, it's just what it is. You're right, I, one of them is this sort of nationalistic 
egocentrism that America and its values and ways of doing things is clearly the way God intended people to live. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, it's crazy. It's insane. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just totally insane. But, yeah, I, I can never, I can never get over the shock of how many times I hear people say, with confidence. America is the greatest country, no matter oh, what yeah. the context is. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The greatest country. <laughs> yeah, that ever existed and that ever will exist. And it will be here forever. Yeah. <laughs> right. But people, people are so trapped in the idea of America as their, as their world, as their like a borderless, you know, um, entity that governs all, yeah. uh, that there is no other thing besides America almost. Yeah. Well, the only thing that compares to it is radical Islam, <laughs> in which they think <laughs> the only thing that really counts is their particular little view of things. Yeah. And the difference there is that Islam... Uh, is a little more under fire. Well, current at the moment. Their world is their world is crumbling. Oh yeah, yeah, around right, them. yeah, yeah. Little, yeah. Little yeah, fuck. If I was and, a, a Islamic fundamentalist, I'd join Bin Laden. Hell yes. <laughs> I mean, the the modern world is destroying their world, and they're absolutely right. That's the war they're engaged in. Their way of life is uh, is about to be eliminated by Americanism and consumerism and the Western style, you know? And if you actually are committed to your your way, then, you know, they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And the two are, the two are sort of uh, fighting against each other. It, it, you know, one way to look at it. <laughs> the two, what? Uh, Americanism? American, you got the hardcore American fundamentalists, whatever you want to call them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, all the, the, the patriots. Thinking yeah. radical Islam is just the opposite. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of them do and some of them don't. You know, the, that's, it's, I've been spending some time in these patriot rooms because it, it's interesting, you know. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to hear how they think about what they're doing and the I mean some of them are getting pretty radical I mean the the anti-semitism is appalling and uh, and you know and the they're they're stockpiling guns and bullets and you know they're they're ready for the revolution you know it's a little scary well it's more than a little scary I mean uh, and they're just blatant about it, you know. They're just out there saying it, you know. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes. I mean, it's just like the Nazis, you know, in Germany. The, the, you know, in the 1920s, the Nazis were seen as this fringe group, <laughs> you know, that nobody should pay any attention to. And somehow they, you know, yeah. They took 
So, you know, it's going to just be really, I don't, I don't think we have to, I don't think that it's going to do that again. I mean, I think they really are on, on the way out, but uh, they sure as hell could cause a lot of trouble in the meantime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, although I'm sort of optimistic, and I just, I think with the um, connectivity of, of the planet, I just don't see their fight lasting too much longer. No, I, I might agree. get a more. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really worried about it. Like I say, I say, I, well, it's not about being worried about it or not. We need to be prepared to deal with whatever happens. But I mean, and I do expect there to be some real horrors, you know, that we have to go through. I imagine. I mean, there already is that way in large parts of the world. I mean. The amount of, you know, we sit here in America at Starbucks and <laughs> think things are tough because gas was up to four bucks, you know. But, you know, if you happen to be just an ordinary person living in Iraq, well, your life sucks. <laughs> you know, you used to have a job. Oh, yeah. You know, now you don't have anything, you know. And half your friends are dead, you know. I mean, so... You know, things are already real bad in large for large numbers of people in the world. Yeah. Oh, I know it. Yeah. It's uh really get a grasp on that. It's humbling to to be here in sunny Southern California. I mean Yeah, although if you looked outside it's been raining here anyway. <laughs> I just looked outside and the ground's all wet. Oh, is it correct? today it wasn't raining. No, I mean, right now. Oh, okay. I mean, I just, <laughs> ten minutes ago, I looked outside, and, I mean, it wasn't raining at the moment, but it had been. Well, it's uh, it's nice to have a little bit of rain here. Oh, yeah, this is great. I like the rain. It's been, a, I mean, I, I didn't realize, I had never lived here before, but I didn't realize that it was possible to live in a metropolitan area and go four months without a drop of rain. <laughs> yeah, it's common. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just blew me away. I mean, I, not that I, like, one month went by and then it didn't occur to me that, oh, it hasn't rained. But then after a while, maybe two or three months, I thought to myself, well, <laughs> what gee, the hell it is hasn't going rained on? at all. Does it ever rain here? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I like. I mean, that. I never yeah. looked into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had droughts before where it didn't rain for a year, maybe. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, and then the, uh, then when those fires started shooting off, <laughs> I thought to myself, "Oh, poor insurance companies. <laughs> they should have seen it coming." Hmm. It's, uh, that'll be interesting, you know, if it, because obviously the, the fires are going to happen if it doesn't rain. Yeah, yeah. And it, it'll be interesting to see the day that the real nice fire cuts through. I mean, people don't realize how, how dangerous of a threat. Anyways, it's not worth talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, something um, interesting happened here the other day on the, you know, the winter solstice was a couple of days ago. And, uh, so I got up and went somewhere where I could watch the sunrise, and then I went to uh, this coffee house, and then I came home. I got home about 
and uh, across the street there were seven or eight cop cars parked along the street, had one of the lanes of the road blocked off, and they had yellow crime tape around two houses across the street. <laughs> and, uh, like I say, and there were, I think, five or six cop cars, one crime investigation uh, white van, and another unmarked white van. And I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I assumed, you know, that somebody had been murdered, you know, or something like that. And uh, <laughs> and I just found out today that that is, in fact, what happened. Across the street, there's a Vietnamese family, and a 30-year-old son strangled his 71-year-old mother. Jeez. And uh, he did it Saturday night. And then left the house and apparently just wandered around the neighborhood all night long, and then came home in the morning and called the police and turned himself in. And, uh, you know, I'd seen the the lady out in the front, you know, watering the front yard a bunch of times, you know, and I'd seen him, you know, occasionally. I mean, I there were several people there, I, I, you know, and people came and visited. I mean, I never talked to him, didn't know him or anything, but, I mean, I was aware of them. And, uh, Ooh, even more chilling. Well, you know, yeah, it's just really interesting to think about that, you know. I mean, you know, I started thinking about, you know, when you sh- if you shoot somebody, that's something that takes, I mean, that's really pretty distancing you know I mean, if you if a gun is available and you pick it up and point it and pull the trigger it's over in it, you know it's like over before you even know it started you know but to strangle somebody is is not you know i mean that takes determination over a period of minutes at least a minute you know i mean th- that's just not you know, I mean, you got to be really pumped up for something like that. And, uh, and I mean, the more I thought about it, I just thought about, you know, the, the whole sickness of the world. You know, what how tragic it is. The mother, you know, who gave birth to her son 30 years ago and how, you know, but how damaged was she? What, how, what kind of a damaged relationship they had? You know, and and how damaged was she by her upbringing, by her parents, and then coming to America, and and uh, you know, and going through whatever they went through, and and now she's dead, and he's in jail, and there are a bunch of other people. I saw a bunch of there were several cars over there today. You know, other relatives, I guess, coming over. I'm not quite sure who lives there. You know, but uh, the whole thing is just really sad. You know, it's just sad. You know, this guy is 30 years old, you know, strangled his mother. I can't imagine what the hell, how crazy he's got to be or how, you know, or what, you know, or how crazy she was, you know, that provoked him or, you know, or, or what, you know, what the hell happened? <laughs> you know, how can, I mean, I've wanted to kill people before. What? You want the video? <laughs> well, God, I don't know if I'd. Boy, yeah, shit. Well, it really would be. 
you know, oh, I'm not sure there is anything to understand. I'm not sure the video would even help, you know, because the roots of this thing are thousands of years old. This is part of this human condition shit, you know. The fact that they both probably believed everything they heard their language machine say, you know, they were bad, badly programmed, brain damaged, probably worse than you and I are brain damaged. You know, and you put, well, that's why you know a good once in a while a good movie comes along where you really get to uh, dive into, and sometimes the actors and the directors don't even realize that they're creating that sort of uh, anthropological. Uh, um, what's a good word for it? No. Uh, about once in a while a good movie comes on that's a really rare insight into just what you're talking about yeah I think it's fascinating I mean I think sometimes observing people uh, especially in uncomfortable situations and all the funny awkward stuff yeah large crowds well, I'm wondering if the, if this came as a surprise to all the other family members, or if they knew this. I mean, if this 30 year old son was like on the has been on the verge of losing it for a long time, or something, or whether this comes as a complete shock to everybody in the family, or whether everyone went, okay, you finally uh, went off. You know, I mean, either way, it's interesting. If if every if this comes as a complete and utter shock to the family, then it tells you something about the depth of the denial that we live in, you know, that a guy could be so disturbed and that nobody in the family would know it, you know, would, would say that, you know, people probably aren't telling the truth to themselves or one another. Or if they did know that he was on the verge. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, who knows? Maybe he's been in therapy and everybody knew that he was in trouble. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not quite sure what the living arrangement was, whether he lived there or, you know, with his parents or why he lived with his parents, why he's not married. And, I mean, at 30, uh, you know, well, of course, that's all changing, too, getting married and having kids and stuff. And, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. You know, I, like I said, I just... The whole thing, though, is just, I mean, it's just, uh, it just seems so sad, you know? I mean, like, it strikes me that they're both victims. He, he and his mother, both, you know, that he's just as much a victim as she is. Absolutely. Yeah. They're both victims of, of this tens of thousands of year old trance that we've been living in. Yeah, no, I, I'm. Whenever I see the uh, the death penalty or all that kind of stuff, I really, um, you know, my my heart goes out to those people because, for one thing, they <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right, but. Uh, you know what sort of uh, what sort of uh, damage did the environment do to him? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I, actually, the death penalty is of almost no consequence. I mean, whether he gets killed or not as a result of this is not important, I don't think. What's important is his state of mind. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, we're all going to die. So whether he dies now or 30 years from now, uh, well, you know, that'll play itself out. But, uh... no, but the, the, twist, the, the twist that the victims' families could get some satisfaction out of oh, watching them yeah, get I know, yeah, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's... That's well, that's sick. just more that's of the. Yeah, no, you're right. That's just yeah. That's yeah. That's pointless. You know, kill, killing them isn't gonna. Well, all it does is assure that they won't do it again, which it's pretty clear that it solves that problem. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about them doing that again. <laughs> That'll teach them. And not only that, but the amount of resources that are expended. Um, killing somebody in a official manner is insane. Oh, I know it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it'd be better if the policeman, like when they just went across the street and the guy turned him in and admitted that he killed his mother, they should just shoot him right there. <laughs> That'd be the end of it. You know? <laughs> Take him out with her. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh! Yeah, I. Uh, well, you don't think so? How is how is? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I no, I see, I see the, I see the function. I, I can't say I agree or disagree. Yeah, it's just, I know. It's just and a it's a thought. Yeah. Of course, I wouldn't want to be wrongly accused and <laughs> be the guy that gets taken into the police office and shot. Well, yeah, but he called the police and admitted that he did it. You know, so. Yeah, but there are people that have admitted to murder that they've been uh, proved through DNA that well, they didn't commit it. Tough shit. Anybody that stupid deserves to die. <laughs> you know, that's, they just wanted to die. You know, that's all. Yeah, yeah, I know the whole thing. Is, know, yeah, the whole system. But I'm wondering, like, as the as the planet uh, it transforms at, at some point. You have to assume that crime will dramatically taper off. Oh, I mean, I, no, not taper off. It will disappear entirely, I would think. What you'll be left with yeah. is uh, psychological illness. You know, I mean, there will be people who uh, who just, you know, have some sort of a problem that they can't live with other people, you know. and uh, But that's a psychological problem. It's not a criminal issue. They're badly programmed, damaged, you know, or some way or other. I remember uh, even, like, from such a young age, always having this fantasy of a planet with no guns. Yeah. Really? I, I mean, I remember from a young age just uh, once I understood what the gun what the gun's function was. Yeah. And that didn't take long. I mean, that was, that could have been age three or four. Uh, I always well, had but then a, how are we going to do, what are we going to do? Are we going to do it with rocks too? I mean, you can bash somebody's yeah, brain no, with a rock. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know. There's roots. Yeah. 
It, it's 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 really complex. I mean, I, I agree with you, right? When you think about guns, I mean, well, there was a, I mean, there. But the gun is crazy fucking thing. Well, I mean, it's a, it's, it's an okay thing. A uh, hundred years ago, for a frontiersman, it was a useful thing to have as a tool for a hunter who was living that way a hundred years ago or two hundred years ago even. But that was then. <laughs> you know, in this world. Uh, there's no point to having a gun unless you're either a criminal or a member of the NRA. <laughs> you know, and you just like your guns, you know. It's just, yeah, it's just... And, the, and of course, if you're, unless you're a patriot who needs to defend yourself against the New World Order. But I watch, like, uh, little kids playing with water guns. Mm, yeah like that and I find that really disturbing oh it is yeah yeah they're g- learning how to live <laughs> you can yeah, watch I mean, uh, even in, little I- tribal kids in New Guinea uh, little children three years old playing with reeds and using them as spears there's, I spent a whole summer watching anthropology films once years ago and I'll never forget this one. It was this this guy made this documentary living with this tribe in New Guinea. It was one of the. Uh, it was back in the, I think they did it in the early fifties. Was when it was filmed, and uh, they actually had some films of warfare. The way it was very civilized. Actually, it was kind of in there. Were these these tribes lived in separate river valleys in this in one some island in New Guinea there or on New Guinea I don't remember what the details of that were but each each sort of river valley uh, was a sort of separate ecosystem and separate tribes inhabited each one and then down at the base uh, where the you know where the they sort of blended together uh, was a sort of area of warring. And uh, and every once in a while, I mean, it was a cyclical thing. It was well worked out. Everybody knew when a war was coming. And all the guys would get all dressed up, and they'd all go down there in the, in the other tribe, and they'd be about 300 yards apart in this big grassy field. There would be 200 guys in one place and 200 guys in, on the other side. And they're all screaming and yelling and then waving their spears, and they got their b- arrows and stuff. And uh, and they're like just out of range of each other, <laughs> you know. So you're safe. And then what happens is one or two guys would go rushing into the middle and throw their spear, and then turn around, and run the hell back, <laughs> you know. And and they'd be there all day throwing spears at each other until uh, somebody got injured, and then they'd all quit and go home. <laughs> Wow, you know, uh, but but anyway, the kids, uh, the little children, uh, three years old, their toys were there. These reeds that were these sort of long reeds, about two or three feet long and sort of stiff. And the kids, uh, you, those are their toy spears. And, and what do they play? They play spearing, you know, throwing their spears and, and warring. Yeah, that, that that kind of shit is fascinating. 
it was great to see how that. I mean, where I never you, really thought. Where did you get access to this stuff? Um, I was at uh, Cal State Dominguez Hills. I was a student there, but I mean, I knew most most of the professors were my friends, and uh, so I. If you know the right people, I just got a pass to the audiovisual department for a summer. Oh wow! And I could just go down there. I went there almost every day, and I'd rent or check out like three or four films, and go into a little audiovisual room and just put these reels on and watch these documentaries. So I saw in, in one summer, in about two and a half, three months or so, I must have seen a couple of hundred. Uh, film, anth- you know, well, I mean, I was watching all sorts of stuff, but primarily it was anthropology stuff, you know, just films from all over the world of different cultures and different people and the way they live and, you know, I mean, all, on the, the justice system in rural Mexican villages to <laughs> these tribes in New Guinea to the, you know, uh, Kalahari Desert in Africa to McDonald's hamburgers. And, I mean, every culture in the world, you know, people have made anthropological studies of all sorts of things. And in this library at Cal State Dominguez Hills must have had, I don't know, several thousand films in their film library it was great wow that yeah that's the kind of shit that uh you know should really be freed yeah that I all mean, need you're right that all needs to yeah. be on uh, available on youtube <laughs> really it just needs to all be there in high def yeah yeah Oh yeah, have you have you seen the uh, high def YouTube videos? Um, I haven't been. I mean, not. I mean, I've. Yeah, I've seen something. They yeah. they just recently. I think yeah, like I a know. few weeks ago. Yeah. That, that yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, absolutely. That I mean, and it, it's it's coming. But but really, uh, a lot of the stuff available still the more mainstream commercial same shit that you can see on TV. I mean. All that stuff that's really embedded deep in universities yeah. and you know just sanctuaries of intellectual development, all that stuff is a lot of it is still deeply embedded. Yeah, well, it'll be there. You know, it'll be a while. Yeah, but, I mean, ultimately, that's got to happen. All of it needs to just be available yeah. to everybody all the time. You know. Yeah, yeah, that was an amazing, like- uh, an amazing summer. I mean, every morning I got up and drove out to the university and spent probably four hours, four or five hours, almost every day, just watching films. Yeah. No, I, I remember. I remember. I mean, the interesting thing is, until I went to college, I'd never heard of the term. Well, I don't think I'd ever heard of the term anthropology. Uh huh. Pretty sure I haven't. Yeah, yeah, but but I remember uh, like a couple years into college, sort of getting a grasp on what. I'd, well, because I took a course, <laughs> and yeah, a course in anthropology, uh, and you know, if I hadn't been two years in college, I think that's what I would have um, invested my four years in. Yeah, but I just I, at that point I wanted to just wrap it out of there, but. Um, I always was uh, fascinated that there was a discipline called anthropology. You know, I, I it just blew me away. I mean, it's like that's kind of the kind of thing, and that's that's what I think uh, 
I mean, anthropology is, is sort of the old way of talking about it, but I think that's what all of this stuff is about. Well, that's what it says. It's the study of man. <laughs> anthropology. Yeah. yeah, right. I think anybody that's, that's you know, thinking uh, does that from day one. That sounds reasonable, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, then it was like, well, well, there's this, you know, sort of off to the side discipline at a university, when really that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, that's really what you know. All these patriot groups and you know are are doing. They're doing a particular kind of analysis of you know an anthropological. They're taking the the. I mean, they're doing in a lot of ways. They're doing very much same thing that you and I are doing from a slightly different perspective but they're they're taking the same old data set that everybody gets and totally reinterpreting it you know in a whole different thing you know whereas you know Americans are you know it's Christmas and they think about you know all that whatever they think about and they vote and they think they're members of some great democracy or you know whatever and, and here are these other people saying that the whole thing is a sham and it's all controlled by the bankers and yeah, and of course they're just as right i mean that's just as true you know and they're putting together this whole other scenario from the same data set you know and that's anthropology yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. And then my anthropology is watching them do their anthropology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I've been going to these Patriot rooms and just listening, you know, because, um, I say, I feel real close to them in a lot of ways, you know, in their dislike for the way things are being done, the old order, you know. I mean, I have just as much disrespect for it as they do. I've got a very different idea about its source and its cure than they do. But, uh, you know, a lot of what they say I agree with completely. It's just the places where we differ are fascinating, you know, and I'm trying to understand, well, just trying to get some handle on Because I think at some point a lot of those people are going to see through, you know, what they've done and, uh, and open up a little more. You know, I mean, they've they've had one awakening. They realized that they were being lied to, and that everything they were told as kids about America and the world was bullshit. And and so they've sort of flipped to the other side and accepted that analysis as you know that what I thought before was not the truth. So now what I'm thinking now this must be the truth. <laughs> you know. And so they need to they need to outgrow. That's you know one of the things I realized a long time ago. You have to be born again at least twice and maybe three times before you begin to get a handle on it. Because when you've only been born again <laughs> once, then you're ju you just turn in you know you trade in one s kind of hypnosis for a new for a better you know slightly deeper kind of hypnosis, you know. And if you never go past that then you just remain, you know, you just end up switching one kind of hypnosis for a new kind of hypnosis. And it may be slightly wider, you know, and a little bit deeper than the one previous. But uh, I, 
I've been through at least three, maybe four of them now, and, and I'm beginning to get that maybe there's no end to it. I mean, I don't know if there is or not, but I've given up the idea of the way it is, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I'd say one definition of a new separate species would be that you just get born once and you're born. Right? I mean, I think we're still talking in the old species. Well, yeah, but that's what we are. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's a, I think it's a partly a, a, a maturation of the biological organism. I mean, uh, a, a six-year-old doesn't know about sex. You know, that doesn't come until puberty. And uh, his the, his whole reality changes at that point. And uh, I think there, the same thing happens. There's a kind of epistemological. Uh, maturity that probably doesn't come until late 20s or early 30s or something. Maybe it could come earlier. I don't know, but I, you know, I mean, I don't know. But you're right. If kids were were uh, programmed properly to begin with, it would be very different, you know. If they if they weren't as brain damaged as you and I were then, yeah, it's hard to imagine what they could become, really. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and the kids that are being born right now, a few of them, uh, are going to seize that opportunity, and a few more yeah. than their kids. Yeah. A few more will. You know, and, so, and a lot yeah. of the ones being born now, of course, may never die. So that's another thing to begin thinking about, you know, if Kurzweil is right. Oh, I watched that. Uh, and I'm, I'm betting you've seen that video on Ted where that guy talks about ending the aging process. Uh, Aubrey de Grey. The one with the big beard, I don't know his yeah, name. Yeah, that's the guy, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow, that really... Uh, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. I mean, I mean, if that if that does come to pass, I mean, that changes the whole game. I mean, that's the end of of so called freedom of reproduction. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really, you know, cross reference his ideas and stuff. But he seemed to be speaking pretty straight. But some of the stuff he was talking about just put me in awe. Well, you read, I, mean, I knew about this you, concept. You've seen, yeah. you've seen the Kurzweil video on... on. I have seen the Kurzweil yeah, video, but, yeah. Yeah, but Kurzweil doesn't... Well, he's talking about some of the... Kurzweil sort of metal yeah, in and out of it. Well, yeah, he doesn't focus on that. This thing, that's why, in a sense, I don't think uh, the Aubrey de Grey's biz- stuff is even important, really, because I don't think... I think uh, Kurtzweil, if Kurzweil's right, we won't even be concerned with our monkeys much longer. Well, I mean, we'll dump the monkeys. We'll have no need for the monkeys. The monkeys can sit around and power batteries. They might be good for that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's he's not there. Yeah, this guy was just 
talking from like you know actual like biological. No, yeah, he's talking about keeping the monkeys yeah. alive indefinitely, and that may very well be a possibility. I mean, I think that's, I think that's inevitable, really. But I think at the same time, it's it's irrelevant. It's inevitable, but it's also irrelevant because I don't think we're going to. Uh, you know, uh, that's well, that's the title of Kurtz. The subtitle of Kurzweil's book is "When Humans Transcend Biology." Yeah, you know. Uh, well, they might, they might they might both have their. Uh, you know, they they might both be. Well, really we can just set the monkeys free. <laughs> you know, just send them back to Africa and let the monkeys run around in the jungle like monkeys like to do. <laughs> You know, and we'll be romping around in the matrix. And I think the the Kurzweil stuff is a little bit more daring. You know, it's well, it's a whole different. Yeah, I mean, they're they're yeah. they're two different universes. Aubrey de Grey is just simply talking about biological life extension to an indefinite length you know and that that seems fairly reasonable to achieve that we it, it looks yeah. more and more like there is a, a, a an actual mechanism that creates uh, death and that if you could learn how that can mechanism works you can turn it off and maintain optimum health indefinitely thousands of years if you're lucky and I think a major reason, I mean, this is, I can't deny this, of why I find his stuff so fascinating, is that I I really enjoy living. <laughs> and the thought of not being able to live, uh, and this is no surprise, but, you know, I just, I just, I like. I want to live. You know? Yeah, but you you die <laughs> every so night. Much, you so go out of yeah, but you go out of existence every night. You go to sleep, and that's the end of the world for you. And if you never woke up, you wouldn't notice it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's 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 obvious. But yeah, uh, but I agree with you. Yeah, I, I want to live forever. I, mean, that I will yeah. wake up. Yeah, yeah, I want to live. I want to live forever, you know, or at least as long as I can. On the well, I have a differing perspective on that now. I mean, ultimately, well, see, that's the whole well, point. I mean, is it depends on who you think you are. <laughs> if you think you are your <laughs> monkey, then then yeah, then you want to keep your monkey going. But if you realize that you're not your monkey, then the monkey isn't quite so important. I mean, I, I, I want to, I want to foster relationships and I want to, you know, read fascinating texts and watch movies and, and observe you're doing nature. all that. And you're doing all of that. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, so you're doing all that and you'll keep doing that until you don't do that. Well, and I think, I think, I, I think it's not any of it selfish to want to live forever, and I think that the key is just controlling the new, you know, making it sort of a very special occasion and a controlled fashion for somebody new to enter the planet. Well, yeah, because if nobody's going to die, if not, obviously. Because if you're not going to 
yeah, if you're not conceived, then it's not like you, you know, before you're born, you don't know the difference. <laughs> well, yeah, again, yeah, these kinds of speculations about the nature of identity are, I mean, a central issue here. What exactly is this I that you're talking about, and what is its relationship with the monkey? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's tough to even talk about. It's yeah, we, yeah, we don't have a clue, really. I mean, the whole thing is just part of the ineffable mystery. We've got our little folk tales, you know, about what what it is to be an eye and a soul, and a, you know, and all this shit. But really, you know, it's just bullshit. Nobody knows anything. Yeah, and if they do, they can't say it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not sure why I don't want to die because really, well, you don't even know who is, you can't. You, again, who yeah. is this? Where is this I that you talk about? Yeah, exactly. You know, what is this thing? Where is this I? Show me this I that you refer to. We say that, again, that's the way we think in English. We say stuff like, I did this, and I want that, and I did this. But those are just conventions of grammar. I've always had, I've, well, I, <laughs> I've always had a fear of, of heights. Uh, a fear of what? And Of heights. I, when I'm when I'm really high up from the ground. Oh, heights. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. anybody in his right mind has a fear of heights. That's built into mammals. Every mammal is afraid of heights. Makes your stomach. Ah, but crazy. I've seen people. I, I've I've had friends that make a claim that that they don't have a fear of heights. No, they don't. They're pathological. Be... No, they probably don't. But that's 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 uh, they're mutants. They're brain damaged. You know, I mean, there are all possibilities occur. <laughs> there are flaming geniuses, and there are mongoloid idiots. You know, and there are people who who have a reasonable fear of heights, and people who don't. It's not about yeah. That's li that's a liberating way to think about it because, oh, I don't know about you, but since I was a little one. I was always told that there is such thing as a fear of heights, like it's a, like it's some sort of sickness, or really? you know, it's some sort of, not necessarily sickness, but some sort of distinct attribute that yeah, some the, people the, have. Yeah, no, I think most people, anybody in their right mind, uh, has a fear of heights. That just sounds reasonable to me, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but almost like it's sort of embarrassing. Right, I mean that's the way I was. Well, I know that. Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. You're talking about this cultural rea myth reality that people live in. Yeah, where they're somehow embarrassed to have a fear of heights instead of saying, well, "Damn yeah. right, I do, you idiot." Like, what the like fuck is the matter about. with you? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, you know, it's just like yeah. uh, you know. I was thinking today. I, I keep. I've referred a couple times over the past week about when I realized that I have OCD. And the whole idea that that 
is uh, considered to be a disorder, you know, <laughs> obsessive compulsive disorder. It's, they don't call it obsessive compulsive, uh, you know, style. <laughs> you know, it's a disorder. And I guess it would be if you're a hand washer or if you're, you know, a, a person who has to count all the cracks or keep coming home to make sure the lights are out. But if you happen to have an interesting obsession, well, shit, that's awesome. That gives life meaning. I can't imagine life without my obsession with linguistics. You know, I mean, yeah. what, what would I do? Come home and watch TV? Yeah, I could guess I could come home and watch TV. If I didn't have an obsession, then I could do normal things and have a normal life. How exciting. You know? And this uh this thing we call O C D I just don't know. I, I think I mean you almost uh, by saying that, emphasizing that it's like some special thing, again, uh, you know, like a uh, sort of an embarrassment. Uh, that's the cultural implication. But I think anybody that's really thinking and conscious would sort of be that way. Yeah. Well, anyone who's a pianist is, is certainly obsessive about the piano. You don't get to be a good pianist unless you're obsessive about it, unless you practice hours and hours every day and are absolutely rabid about it. Nobody gets good at anything unless they're obsessed with it. Any, any guy who's at the Olympics, any scientist who ever won a Nobel Prize or did anything worthwhile, and lots of other ones who aren't recognized necessarily but, but do stuff that's worth doing it, do it because they're obsessed with it. They can't get it out of their mind. That's what they do. And so-called normal people who don't have obsessions go to work every day and come home and watch TV at night. And that's normal. <laughs> and that strikes me as pathetic. You know, those, that reality, that's for people who don't have obsessions. <laughs> they have TV. If you don't have an obsession, well, uh, poor guy. Well, here, take this TV. This will keep you occupied. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but I, it's interesting, too, because I never... Hey, there's I some guy really logged in here. Wait a minute. I just noticed I, I hadn't even been looking up. I just sat up, and there's some guy logged in here, uh, and his name is Am I a Human? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's surprising no. if that's somebody we know. <laughs> ah, I wonder. Yeah. Am I? I don't know. Are you a human? <laughs> yeah, good one. Anyway, sorry. I, I just I just happened to I've been laying down on the floor. I just happened to sit up and and I saw that. <laughs> Good name. I never um, really had much animosity towards the television. I mean, I think certainly it depends how you use it. But uh, yeah, I I I just I mean I I certainly see that sort of. Uh, brainwash 
brain damaging effect it has, but it, it amazes me that it, that sort of aspect of it never really occurred to me until, well, I don't know, maybe five years ago. I mean, I mean, it was a recent realization, but when I realized it, I thought to myself, gosh, you know what? Why didn't you see this coming? Yeah. Well, it seems to me that I mean, we primary... used to play, yeah, I, I just want to finish that yeah. thought. When I uh, was, like, living with my dad until the age of uh, 11 or 12, we used to uh, sit at dinner and have the TV running. Sure, of course. Yeah. Through the meal. Yeah, no and talking. And we would talk Shut to up. each other. Yeah. But the, oh, you, oh, you'd talk. Sometimes we'd watch the TV if there yeah. was something interesting on it, but even if we were having conversations. Yeah, the TV was still on, yeah. The TV was still on. Yeah, well, I think it's that way in most homes. I think if people are home, the TV is on, whether they're watching it or not. But I do remember being sort of, uh, and, and the best part about it was my dad was always positioned in the chair that had the best uh, <laughs> the best view of the Yeah, right. And he, and he got the remote control. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing that amazes me. Like some people they watch TV like my uncle does it. And the whole time they're sitting there, they have the remote in their hand, ready to like change the channel. One (laughs) moment. They can sit there for three hours and never push a button, but it's in their hand, ready to be pushed. Like a pacifier or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in control. You know, it's a, it's a symbol of authority, I think. <laughs> I have the power to switch the channel. <laughs> you know. uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the TV TV is crazy business. I, I just, I mean, and so many people, like I, I'm living here with my aunt, and she does it too. She'll sit there in the morning, you know, and she'll eat her breakfast and she'll be doing writing emails, things like that. But the TV yeah. is on well, and it's until blaring. I got, until I got rid of my TV, uh, I mean, from the time I moved out of the house and, you know, got my own place, if I was home, unless there was something special happening, if I was home, the TV was on. First thing I'd do in the morning when I'd get up, Turn on the TV to the news, you know. That'd be the first thing I do. And first thing I do when I get home from work or wherever is turn on the TV. And then I'd go about doing whatever I was doing. I may ignore it or I may watch it or whatever, but it was almost always. Again, I really think its main function is to silence the voice. The minute people get these disturbing thoughts, you know, questions about the nature of identity or whether their life is meaningful or not, they get these disturbing thoughts, and the TV is there to quell them, you know, to replace the voice in their head with the voice in the TV. And that's the great, that's what it's for. The minute, and that's why, you know, they're uncomfortable and they turn it off, because as soon as they turn it off, there's no voice to distract them, and their own voice starts up. (laughs) And it's usually disturbing, so they immediately turn the television on again. 
Mm. And then they don't have to think those uncomfortable thoughts. Yeah. Oh, it's it's uh, it's so true. I, I uh, where I went to college, they had uh, they had like five different cafeterias you could choose from, and the one with the best food had televisions in every little corner of the cafeteria, <laughs> and they were all off. And I hated eating there. Was it, were they on different it. stations? Or were, they, were they on different channels or all on the same channel? Uh, some of them were, usually they were on similar channels, but not necessarily. But there were like, you know, there was like on one half of the thing, there'd be like a big TV. Yeah. You know, there were little small ones, like a big one and that one, you know, the volume was turned yeah. up. Yeah. And, and the whole cafeteria could be sitting uh, there yeah. watching whatever the hell was on television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't matter what it was. It could be the Simpsons yeah, or yeah, it could yeah. be CNN. Yeah. Once in a while, I'd go in there by myself, actually, late when they were about to close. I, I mean, I hated it. I, I tried to avoid that cafeteria as much as I could, but it, won, it was the only one that was uh, open later than the It was open yeah. later than the yeah. other, so this. But uh, I'd go in there and I'd like change a channel to something that I could bear, like CNN. I'd try to turn it off sometimes, you know. Yeah. But uh, I'd really, I, I actually like a couple times gotten really big arguments with people because they'd be watching like Family Guy, and I, you know, I'd just follow. But you, like I said, there's no, there's nowhere in that cafeteria where you could be far away from the TV. Yeah. And I, I just, I hated eating there. I hated it. I hated it. I hate, I don't like televisions. And I've almost got, gotten to the point where I have a fear of them. Like if I'm in a dentist office or something and there's a television <laughs> on, I just, I can't stand them. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like almost to the point where like somebody's scratching their fingernails on a chalkboard. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's just, not necessarily because it's that bad, but just that I've sort of driven it in my head of just how um, brain damaging the television can yeah. be. Yeah, I don't. Well, I at this point it's been so long, you know, that, that I'm and I'm not around them very often. And when I am now, uh, I just find them kind of interesting, you know, to see, you know, and just to watch people and how they react to it. And uh, you know, it, to me, it's just anthropology now. You know, just watching them <laughs> humans with their TVs and seeing how they interact with them. And it's, um, you know, it, like I said, I'm not around them very much, but, you know, I am once in a while. And it's just amazing how that's just so much of reality that people just don't. And especially since, see, I was lucky. I spent, I remember when we got our first TV. So I spent the first probably seven or eight years of my life, uh, you know, in in the physical environment, in you know the so-called real world, you know, and so TV was a new thing. I remember when we got it, but people nowadays don't know a time. I mean, children, infants are brought up with the television in their room from the day they're brought home from the hospital. You know, they don't know a time when there wasn't a television telling them they needed to have some new Nikes. Yeah. 
And the nice the nice thing about the uh, computer, more much more recently, is that pretty much anything that's on television is available instantly on a computer, except for all the commercials that come with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you even get those now. <laughs> that's what really pisses me yeah. off when I look. I go follow some link and I have to watch some fucking commercial before. You know, before they show me what I want to see, that really, I'm, I'm going to start taking names, I think. Because when the revolution <laughs> comes, we're going to know who to go shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really well, obnoxious. As a matter of fact, yeah. No, that's just, that just totally well, pisses me off. I want to watch a video, but in the meantime, they're going to cram in 30 seconds of bullshit to get me to buy some piece of shit I don't need, you know, or want, you know. That that just really pisses me off. Well, it still does cost them money to... I don't give a shit. I just don't give a shit. Then don't... No, I... You know, it's just... Well, no, I know you don't, but it's either that or not... Or go watch something else. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just saying this, this... The whole... The whole concept of sales... Is just such bullshit, you know. It's just, it's just part of the, the old, yeah. the old world. This whole idea to keep everybody busy, you know. We got to all have jobs. We all got to go work fifty hours a week making plastic bunnies for people to put on their mantles, you know. That's why, in some sense, you know. I mean, all those poor people in China that are out of work now because Americans can't afford to buy their plastic bunnies, you know. It's just a pathetic <laughs> world, you know. It's just a pathetic excuse it's of funny. civilization. I, I watched a, uh, I mean, I was reading a article this morning about uh, the company that I work at they um, just uh, pulled their moved all their videos off of YouTube because they were complaining that uh, it wasn't bringing bringing them enough revenue, mm. and they they tried to uh, negotiate with Google, but they failed. <laughs> so they took all their content that they had up there and they pulled it. Yeah, like what do they like? What, what other option do they have? You know what I mean? It's really funny because because um, I mean the 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 intensity the intensity and the amount of rearrangement of the deck chairs on this Titanic <laughs> it's yeah. just insane. Yeah, you I know, know, I mean, I know. yeah, it is crazy. There, there's still little pockets where you'd never know the ship the ship is sinking. You'd never oh, you wouldn't have a clue. Oh, I don't think most people. I fact, think the vast think the yeah, I don't think m yeah. you know, most people. I'd you know I'd say what ninety five percent of most people, ninety five percent of people, ninety eight percent. Again, they just don't really. Well, the thing is, they it's, I, I don't think they have an opinion one way or another. They just simply don't think about it. You know, they just it's you know well it, you know when you think about the Titanic, it's a really good analogy because that ship was doomed to go down in the first second that it struck. You know, I mean, at that moment, that was, it was already over. That ship was going down. The damage was done. It was going to fill yeah. up and sink. 
and nobody, with the exception of maybe a couple dozen people who were actually down at the bottom of the ship, knew that. You know, and it was a couple hours apparently before it really became apparent that it actually was going to sink. So in the meantime, there's this whole gray area where weird shit is happening. <laughs> you know, the piano just sort of slid across the room. You know, so they <laughs> pushed it back. <laughs> you know, keep them keep that furniture arranged. You know. And uh, and then the deck chairs slid a little bit, and then they pushed the deck chairs back, you know. And the but it was just unthinkable. I mean, in their world, there were they bunch of rich people on an unsinkable ship, and there's this weird stuff happening. But there certainly isn't anything to worry about. But slowly, some people began to say, you know, wait a minute, something's happening here. You know, and, it, and yeah. that transition is a real interesting transition because that's a tough one. There you are, a rich guy on on the world's most beautiful luxury liner that's absolutely unsinkable, and you know what reality is. And all of a sudden, you have to call into your mind this concept that, wait a minute, this ship is going to sink and I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, or, or not, maybe if I can get onto a life raft, I'll, I'll live. And but and which what did it take? Which people found out? I mean, how did that go? You know, there must have been a, a time when there were, you know, quite a few people who really thought the ship was sinking, and other people thought, oh, they're just alarmists. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and that whole little microcosm of the thousands of people—I don't know how many, couple thousand people on that boat, that little little planet. You know how that transition was made from uh, from thinking everything is just as normal. This is just a minor little disturbance. Keep them deck chairs arranged, you know. Until when people be, uh, generally everybody knew Jesus Christ. What the fuck are we gonna do now? You know. But the issue, of course, is how soon do you see that? Because those are the people who are more than likely to survive. The ones who were yeah. up there right at the beginning got on the first boats and got the hell off there while other people were saying, nah, everything's okay, it's cool. <laughs> you know. Well, that's why I'm, I'm fascinated. I've been reading about this guy, and there's a few people that do it, that they are professional, they professionally uh, short stocks. So basically they're people that are looking for Titanics. Mm-hmm. And they make they make shitloads of money doing that because they they're the ones that realize that the boat is sinking before yeah. anybody else. Sure, yeah. it's, but it's amazing that people can make a career out of that. That that there are Titanic that nobody else realizes yeah. is sinking, but a few people. Yeah. Well, there's lots yeah, of them. Uh, Just about everything that's here is is a Titanic. You know, you, yeah, that's right. it, it yeah. all is. It's all Titanic. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is there's all these different uh, um, financial instruments that have, some of them have come up like in the last couple of months that they've never had before that are they make it as easy as possible to bet that the ship is going down. Oh, I know. Well, all these, yeah, these so-called just, and derivatives. And that just makes the ship actually go down faster. Yeah. Oh, I know, yeah. The whole thing is just ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's 
you know, it's so abstract from the idea of buying pork bellies, you know, or futures in pork bellies, which is more or less reasonable, you know, uh, to to these all these convoluted bets about how the price of stuff in the future and 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 then <laughs> insurance on on that, you know. And, and then taking yeah, the, the odds the on, stuff is you know, I mean, the whole thing is just so insane. I mean, it's just totally, and it's totally divorced from reality at this point. It's just like, it's again, like, it's like that concept of reification in linguistics, where the words end up just going around in circles, and they don't hook up to experience anywhere. They're just words about words about words, and it's just completely out of, out of the loop, you know, it's just detached from everything and that's what's happened with a lot of that's to a large extent what's going on with this economic thing right now at least in my analysis is that you know the all these instruments have become totally divorced from pork bellies you know and oil actual oil prices and people needing food and things like that and and they're these high level abstractions about all sorts of things and and and, it, and nowhere did it hook up with reality, like the dot com bust. You know, same thing. You know, is as people just get all caught up in these instruments, you know, until it finally goes, it spirals up and up and up, and then everyone realizes there's nothing holding it up. You know, and the whole fucking thing just collapses. You know? Yeah. No, it turned into a big fucked up game. I mean, it's just ridiculous. What's what's fascinating to me though is the people that are hedging their bets that the ship is going to go down, yeah. thinking that, thinking and obviously it, it is true that as the ship goes down, they're the, the more money they'll have. But what they don't realize is once the ship sinks, yeah, the money is going to be worth it. Yeah, 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 anyway. yeah. They're going to they're still going to go down <laughs> with the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. The whole ship is going down. The day thing that they can give them a certain yeah. part of the ship. And say, well, the ship is going down, and, and that's what I expect. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't realize they're still on the, the same <laughs> ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it's but good. The, I was just thinking this. One interesting way to look at that might be you're sort of on the ship, but you've got the ability to get together and sort of build a new ship while this ship is going down, sort of on the ship. Yeah. And the great resource that we have to build in this new incredible ship yeah. is technology. It's yeah. the, the, the interconnection of the planet. Well, that's, I think, what our job is. I mean, the old way is collapsing. We, It's up to us to build a new one that's in touch with the realities yeah. of this world. And that's, and, I don't and, think it's that hard a thing to do, really. I, uh, you know, it seems like that should be doable. Yeah. Well, well we've got the physical resources. It's, it's it, the, the, the only tool that we really need is the ability to all communicate. Yeah, intelligence and communication and a willingness to work together and, uh, and not be an idiot. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's relatively simple, actually, at least yeah. in my opinion it is. So that any any anybody that wakes the fuck up, uh, you know, just has to realize that, and we all sort of have to 
desire that same sort of heavenly, you know. Well, it's uh, heaven, man. That's what we're, that's, I think yeah. that's a good name for it. I've, I've been toying with that lately of starting to call it heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, yeah. you know, when you think about Christian well, that, heaven, that. you yeah. know that, that you know that's really sort of bore. I mean, every image of Christian heaven bores the shit out of me. I can't imagine why the hell anybody would want to go to heaven. But you know, when you see heaven as the matrix, where reality is anything you want it to be, now that strikes me as a real interesting heaven. <laughs> you know. Because even if you've got, even if you're Bill Gates. You can't you can't create that heaven for yourself. Well, not yet. That's the point. That's what we. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> it's not because it's not about money. It's about all getting together and creating this. Well, I don't even know what it's about. Actually, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out. You know. Well, yeah, there's, there's still. A whole... But even, but even, but I want to say, if even Bill Gates could push a button, and give up all his money and be in heaven, or whatever you want to call it. This, well, heaven doesn't this, exist yet. It hasn't yeah. been created yet. That's yeah. the point. No, no, no. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm saying if, if me, if, if I could push, if I could push a button, I'd love to be there. Uh, well, no, but we can't. And that's that's exactly saying. the point. Is we can't do that. We have to create. No, no, no. First. I know yeah. we can. No, I'm, I'm, I'm using <laughs> yeah. this. I'm using this to sort of use Bill Gates as an example. Oh, okay. Even Bill Gates with all his money, if he could push a button, I'm sure he'd rather be there too. Meaning to say that all these capitalists and 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 a lot of them are very intelligent people, thinking that. You know, oh, getting yeah, more yeah. power, oh, yeah, more consumerism, yeah, sure, yeah. and more money is going to make them happier. Yeah, right. No, no. Give them five minutes in the get yeah, that analogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give them five minutes in the matrix, and they'll be done with capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. No, the matrix is uh, is just such an awesome potential for everything, for experience. You know, for creation, for creativity, for science, for Art, exploration, sports. I mean, I mean, imagine inhabiting a reality where there are no laws of physics other than the ones you choose to interpret. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's it, it, the potential. I mean, imagine the sexual potential. I mean, Kurzweil gets into that a little bit in his thing, you know, about virtual sex. But, I mean, when you start thinking about the possibilities sexually, <laughs> that gets real interesting real fast. You know, you could you can just take that all sorts of places. And sex is a great thing to talk about in this, in this sense because a lot of, I mean, I would say most people, the number one reason they want lots of money. Sure, so they can get money. That's right. You got it. Right. Yeah. And once well, they realize well, you're talking about men, you they know. don't get yeah. money. Yeah. 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 Men. Yeah. That's the only reason they want money and power is so they can get laid by beautiful young women. Yeah. Why well, the hell no, else would think, I mean, I'm not a woman. A woman want lots of power and security so they can have the most beautiful, powerful babies. It's a little different, but well, it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's a, well, and again, the same I, sort of thing. Yeah, well, I'm not quite sure about women. I'm, I'm still out to, you know. I yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a woman, so 
this yeah. is just from my observation. I can yeah. certainly speak from the guy's perspective. Oh, yeah, I know about guys, yeah. <laughs> Stop living with that, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, you know, listen, I, it's, this is much later than I planned on being up here, so I, I have to go to work tomorrow, so I need to get out okay. of here. Okay. So um, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. All right, bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.